listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and today's episode is all about anger and marriage with all the types. You guys blew me away when we got to talking about anger this past week because I heard from more people than I've ever heard from, and it took me three days to sift through it all and get it back into our Instagram highlights so that you could see the individual responses I got about anger. The good news was you guys are doing a little bit better with your holiday anger. And if you're not, be sure to listen to last week's episode about how to handle the holidays with less stress. But the bad news is a lot of us still have a lot of work to do on our anger. And that's life, right? But I want to encourage you that I have a lot of great tools for you today. We're going to go through anger in general in marriage, and then we're going to go type by type so you can get some actual tips for you and your spouse to leave with this week. Before we get to that, I want to tell you how excited I am that we are finished up with our Glow Project. I am so thankful for it, happy for the support, and you are just ready for me to not be talking about it, but showing it to you. So this weekend, you're going to see, if you're listening week by week, that we are putting it out on sale. And if you use the code 5OFFGLOW, you are going to get $5 off your Glow booklet. And it's a pairing booklet for you and your spouse so that if you're looking for tips and tools and you're not doing coaching with somebody, or even if you are, there's a ton of questions that are very specific for you two to ask about your types together called your afterglow. And then there's ways that you light up the world together. You see the theme and you get to really talk about specific date nights, specific intimacy tips. You get to hear all about how you guys have sparks together, how you totally burn out together, and just all the ways that you light up the world together. So I hope you love it, and we will have it out for you this weekend. So visit enneagramandmarriage.com. So thankful. So let's get into our anger topic. Let's explore what's going on with anger in marriage. The first definition of anger I'm going to give you guys is right from the dictionary, a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. The next definition is going a little bit deeper, and it's from a book that's really respected out there and was published in 2019, Habits for a Healthy Marriage, by Ignatius Press, Richard Fitzgibbons, MD. And it's all about forgiveness reducing anger. And the reminder is anger is a strong feeling. It's displeasure, antagonism, most often aroused by a sense of injury or wrong. It's a natural response, which we talk a lot about on this show, to the failure of others to meet one's needs for love, respect, and praise. Excessive anger can be the result of selfishness, anxiety, sadness, or modeling after an angry parent. It's funny that they should bring that up because this past week, my daughter and I, as we were studying her psychology, we were noticing the old Bobo doll experiments. And it was fascinating to see such a a clean and streamlined study really go after the ins and outs of how aggression was modeled when parents, and this is so sad, they're like, the best way to do this experiment was on young children. It's like, what were we thinking in the middle of the 20th century about how to learn about psychology? So they had children watch adults beat up a doll, and then they would leave the room and see what the child did, and the child would pretty typically beat the doll up. And so that's why it was clean and streamlined is it was done over a number of different times and in many different years. And so that's a really cool thing that Bandura gave us about anger and aggression. And of course, the opposite was true too when they saw somebody lovingly pair loving gestures with the doll, then they did the same. So I think that's a really good place for us to start is sometimes your spouse has trauma and I'm not excusing it. I'm just letting you know that there's a root to it. And it's hard because anger comes up when there's conflicts in relationships, whether at home, school, work, community, and it can be daily for some people. We know we even have an anger triad in the Enneagram for ones, eights, and nines, but all of us have a relationship to body at some point. Even though we have certain types that don't always relate, like sevens don't always relate to heart easily, and twos don't always relate to thinking easily, everybody naturally does relate to body types. And even if not, we could find it in their wings or tri-type. It's a human 
response to stress. So you're not alone if you're struggling with anger. And I really wanted you to understand that it's natural, especially for those of you who don't want to admit that you get angry sometimes. Um, But something that before Enneagram that was common knowledge to me because of my field was that anger is a secondary emotion. So I find that a fascinating pair with the Enneagram where we realize some people have the instinct of anger first, but we can't leave it there. In other words, we need to understand that although anger is really important to acknowledge in our body work and in our body types, especially that is usually not what's at the root of what's going on. So for a one, eight or nine, for instance, if they're angry, it's not just because they're an angry person who likes to be angry. It's because they are quick to it because they have experienced that that would be the most helpful defense mechanism when they're struggling. So for a nine who's numbing out and finding themselves falling away from themselves or their world, that anger will alert them to, oh my gosh, you've been hurt many times over. It's time to wake up. Or for a one who feels that they've been working so hard doggedly, now they can feel irritated Like, hey, something's wrong here. I need to tell my people that I can't do it all myself. And then with an eight, they experience it because maybe they've been hurt and oftentimes have said I was vulnerable and somebody took advantage of me and my anger is what got me through it. So you can see that it's not as a starting point that these people just wanted to be angry people. It's that this has been a very helpful way for them to walk through the world. And I wanted to start there to give a lots of grace. It's not something that we even choose. For instance, sometimes when I talk to five, about the way they move away from grief, they'll tell me it really was never a choice. I want to be more present for the miscarriage or for the grief incident in our family. But long ago, before I was cognizant, I realized that emotions weren't that helpful. So this is the same thing we can say about anger as they learned it was helpful in some ways. And and yet we have to do something about it because we know that when we have so much anger that we can become depressed if we're living with somebody like this and we can increase their anxiety and we can reduce their ability to trust us because they think, I don't know if I can trust you. You lose your temper a lot and you blow up at me and you're not respectful. And then we also know children of angry people also suffer harm and they want to feel safe. They don't want to feel like, okay, my parents are out of control completely. They also will go to places like, is this my fault? And they may have IBS symptoms like irritable bowel, that in other words, or they may have psychological illnesses. So it's really important that you understand that not only does anger hurt you because you're not really getting to the root of things, sometimes it also hurts your family. And yes, I want you to understand we have reasons for it, But what we can also learn is that a Harvard medical study found out that after an anger outburst, you have two times as much risk for a heart attack. The greater the intensity of the outburst, the greater the risk. So mastery over anger is absolutely essential. So I want you to express it. I don't want you to deny it. And I also want you to understand that passive aggressiveness is anger also. Whereas some of you may say, you know, I'm really not angry. I'm just cold or I'm just distant or I'm just passive aggressive. And that's not always true. You're usually when you're feeling silent, cold treatments, acting irresponsibly, withholding affection, not expressing love, being deliberately sloppy or lack of care for the home and uncooperative. This is you saying, I am dealing with anger and I'm not forgiving. So forgiveness and expressing are two of the goals. And eights honestly do this pretty well. So we'll talk more about types later, but forgiveness is so important. It says, I'm going to uncover the anger from our families of origin, from past relationships, or maybe even our marriage earlier. And I'm going to decide to let go of it. I'm not going to misdirect it at you guys. And it also chooses forgiveness, even when your anger has been aroused. So it's an important way for you to get back to yourself and get back to health is forgiveness therapy. Um, And you don't have to go to a therapist, but you might need to if you can't do it on your own. If you say, gosh, I try every morning and I'm reciting the Lord's Prayer and I'm not doing my work or it's taking me days, then consider getting a titration of your medicine. If you'd like to go the biological and chemical route, 
consider going to a therapist. You can go for EMDR work, which is trauma-based work, and it's done outpatient or even online now. Or you can just go for talk therapy. I know that's what my dad did a lot as an A, and it was a really helpful place for him to work out those daily aggression issues that he had. Forgiveness can produce so many benefits too. Actually, there's been a lot of studies that tell us forgiveness enhances confidence and helps resolve feelings of sadness and anxiety and prevents you from continuing to have the same lack of trust issues or anger issues. So you might say, what in the world? How do I forgive when I'm angry? The first thing you do is you identify your experiences as kids, usually kids or earlier life of being hurt by your parents and others. And and just take a moment to say who disappointed me and try to understand your spouse and their parent relationships too. And then as you move forward, develop an awareness that your spouse's behaviors can be attributed to past emotional hurts from your parents or others. And so you're saying, I do this and my spouse does this. And it's pretty similar, right? To when your spouse says, you're acting just like your mother or father, but it's saying, hey, what was I supposed to do? Like the Bobo doll experiment, like how was I supposed to do anything else? So it's just acknowledging that and saying, this was my my place I learned, or maybe I learned uh, on the playground. I have an eight client who said, that's where they learned. So it really depends on whatever your personality type. Don't just focus on body types here, whether you're a two or a three or a one or a six, do this work with me. Say, where did I? where did this all start out? How can we acknowledge this without shaming, without being rude, without saying it during an argument? But Usually just looking at that past and understanding the present is affected by it leads to the realization that people do not usually deliberately inflict hurt. Even people who are deliberately cruel, though, have often suffered some sort of trauma. So after you guys really take in and acknowledge that, that self-knowledge and knowledge of the other, then you can start working on forgiveness. And I think that's when you really say, I'm not going to count this against you. I may have to build trust back because this was a very loud fight and you really lost it on me. But I get it that this is your past and I don't shame you, but we need to move forward with different conflict management techniques. So we'll work on those now. And I'll share a little story about when I definitely, um, as an aggressive assertive type, struggled with anger as a kid and in the early marriage, as I sometimes say. So I really empathize with those of you who are in early marriage and say, hey, I really need my marriage to be strong, but my spouse won't do what I want. So I get it. I thought that would work. And if you're a three or an eight with me, you probably did too, or a seven like me. But when I was little, it started this way and I just kept it going. I did temper tantrums. And one time I remember being at church and there was a little girl I had brought to class with me and my mom and dad were the teachers. And that was really special treat for me because they were, as I've mentioned on other podcasts, a lot older and usually didn't participate in anything. And so I felt safe to be at the church. I thought, my goodness, my parents are the teachers. What a treat. And they were both teachers. So they were doing a great job. And then I brought a friend and she was absolutely lovely, a wonderful young lady that I really prized and thought was the cat's meow. You know how you are with little kids of the same gender in those years. It's almost like you're romantic and you're just like, oh, my best friend. And she really was my sister's friend and more mature than me, but I thought she was fantastic. And so I brought her to class and we had to sit apart. So I felt a little unsure of myself. I was very shy and I let her go sit somewhere else. What choice did I have, right? Even if I'm in a sort of aggressive stance, there's only two seats and they're in different spots. But then all of a sudden I saw her laughing and having a fun time with somebody else. And it just kept going on and on and on. And I knew this other girl had found the wonderful person that my friend was. And I just knew that she was going to take her. And I had a history of this happening. So I had had already this horrible feeling arise. And I had that happen in preschool where somebody had said, you know, I know you like Lisa, but she's my best friend now. And I was like, shoot, this is going to happen again. So I got so mad and my four and me came out and my daughter and I laugh about these times because we both 
both have a strong four. And we we're I was just so jealous. And even my nine daughter has a fun, jealous memory like we laugh about now, but they're they're really hard in the moment, right? And we remember these stories from and I want you to be thinking about your stories from when you were that age. So here I am about four or five now. And the teacher said, everybody draw a Bible story. And I was just so upset. And it was the teacher's helper. And my mom and dad were being careful to help other kids. And they said, Krista, what's going on? So finally, I said, okay, I'm going to do this project. I need to do this. Clearly, I'm not going to get out of coloring. I don't feel like coloring. But I just put my crayon to work. And all I could do was draw red. And it was very hard for me to do that. But soon I found it soothing. And I remember her circling the table again and again and saying, wow, good job. And I really like the work you've all done and talking to people. And then she would come to mind and pause. And then she said, what are you doing? <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm mad, you know, <laughs> like if looks could kill. And so anyway, what really blessed me, and you know, it's because I'm a seven, she did a reframe and she said, you know what? She said, I see that you've drawn the Red Sea. Is that what you've drawn? This is a really good job of the Red Sea. And I was so happy. It worked. It saved face. And I felt myself calm down. So even though I didn't solve the problem there, and you can see me as a seven kind of going, okay, she took care of it. It's over. I still felt a little sad. I still felt a little jealous when church was over and my friend said we had a wonderful time together, but I also felt happy that she was with me again. And I know you've felt that before if you're a four or an eight or some other type and you've just wanted your person and they weren't with you. But sometimes it is helpful to say, I can do a reframe with myself or I can distract myself. And so those are just funny stories and I'll go through the types now, but I just crack up thinking about how that lady was really good at helping me to be human and not say you're shamed because you're angry, you have to go in the corner or because you're angry, you're messed up. And she just let me be angry. She reframed it. She saved face for me. And I try to do the same with Wes when I see his anger rising up. And I hope you try to do the same with your spouse because it blesses you, but you don't want to ignore it. And that wouldn't have been good if my mom and dad did that, but they were pretty used to it. They were like, oh, we know this child, she tantrums. So you go ahead and help her to the assistant. <laughs> so hence the world of my life with my parents going, oh, you're good in, in their kind of way. So, and before we get to the nine types experiencing anger, let's talk a tiny bit more about what forgiveness looks like, because we're not always going to be able to draw that red sea. We need to say, what can I do? Well, to start out, I love Lewis Smead's forgiveness work. And he said, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. Wow, that is very important for those of you who say, I do not like to forgive. So Lewis Meads was a pioneer in forgiveness researcher and an author of more than 15 books. So he taught at Fuller Theological Seminary, and he just broke the mold when he said, if you wait for somebody else to apologize, you're leaving your future peace and happiness in the hands of the person who injured you in the first place. Let that just sink in. To wait is to leave your future peace and happiness in the hands of the person who injured you in the first place. Super important. Smeads also said that what we do is we go through the experience of being hurt and then we go through that feeling of I've been through unfair pain and then we go through I'm this tiger snarling in the soul, he called it, when we feel like I'm angry and I don't want to forgive and I'm just rare. Like we're really hurting right there in that moment. And he says that we need that time of wrestling to wrestle with God and to think about human problems and to really say, this isn't perfect. I see it. It's real. But he's like, we need to use the F word here, forgiveness. And so he said, let's make it something we can talk about. And I think I'm really glad he did because I still hear it sometimes. I can't forgive unless somebody is really 
asking for it. And that is just not true. Another way that I like that Lewis Smedes talks about forgiving when you're angry is when you forgive somebody, you slice away the wrong from the person who did it. You disengage that person from his hurtful act and you recreate him. And I think that's really important that you understand that it comes in stages and it's it's not always that you can do that all at once, but that's the goal, right? To get here, we need three stages. We need to rediscover the humanity of the person who hurt us. Like I said, the other articles are talking about. We surrender our rights to get even, and then we revise our feelings toward the person we forgive. And that's something that's a choice. So I want to give you guys that reminder that you're not stuck or glued to a person who you're struggling with forgiving in terms of, I have to be angry with them. You really don't. What you really need to do is understand that forgiveness is a choice and you get to make it and you're not going to be locked up anymore. And you're also giving them that choice to do something different next time. So even if you're like, I can't be married to this person, I can't do this. It's so important that you recognize the story goes so much deeper than where you've been taking it so that you can really judge them less. So that's all to say Anger is very natural. It's very normal. It's usually a secondary emotion. And there are important steps that will free you and your partner when you need to let go of anger. But let's talk about how each type can process their anger healthily now. So let's start with ones. And we'll say that knowing ones are in the body triad, the very first step they can take is to acknowledge that they're angry. You guys gave me so many responses to how each type gets angry. So I know I'm right with these things because you basically helped me with this episode so much. Thank you. Um, And I just want to say the ones of you who have made progress are telling me that what you've learned to do is to speak out your anger as you go. So sometimes with one that's cleaning and saying, I'm really working hard to make sure we're neat for everybody, but I'm just going to say it. I'm struggling. I'm frustrated and I'm angry because maybe I worked all day and maybe you worked part of the day and I'm just frustrated. Now, the next step is probably different than you would expect ones. I don't want you to demand that your partner do the work because you're not understanding their side. Anyone married to one can tell you they work hard too and that their partner doesn't always recognize that. But what I can tell you from not only living with a one, but for some reason having an inordinate amount of one clients, I can tell you they do have a superhero amount of energy. And even if they don't have it, they somehow manifest it by the grace of God. Um, And they can do 12 or 14 hours of work, even often when they have illnesses. So they do feel like this pent up energy of why am I the only one working? But really ones, I just want you to understand not everybody has that energy level, especially if you're married to a five or a nine. Yes, I want you to help them do hard things, but go ahead and get your anger out, but you don't have to get it out in a way that judges somebody else. You can say, I really wish you could help me more. I'm struggling. Don't say it as you need to, you don't help, you don't work. Just be honest. I'm angry and sad because I don't feel help. And not only the anger, but if you noticed, I use the word sadness. And that's a word that ones don't always say they have permission to use, but I want you to start using more. I don't want you to say I'm angry, angry, angry. Sometimes a one thinks, okay, I just learned I was angry and not just frustrated. Now my family just needs to hear how angry I am. And typically what they really need, if you want to get any kind of compassion or you really want to move your family is they need to see your heart. They need to see your sadness, your anxiety, what's rising up underneath that the anger is covering then they will want to help you. Then they will run to help you. And some spouses of one say when their one cheerleads them, that's another route for getting your spouse to move and to do what you're wanting them to do is to say, I love this and that about you. We call that the sandwich method. And some types don't like that, but some do. So you're going to have to let you and your spouse figure that out because we've got subtypes and we've got tri-types and we've got wings. So I'm not going to judge whether or not you should do that with your spouse. But what I want you to do one is to name your anger, name what's underneath, and I want you to address it with love and with grace towards yourself and others. And that's going to help you a lot when you get nitpicky or OCD or passive aggressive. And a lot of the times there's a hormonal issue as well. So I also want you to take it to your medical provider to see if there's anything chemistry wise that you guys need to work on together. 
type twos generally talked about being pushed away um, just because they feel like they needed some time away. When they're angry, they feel like they hold grudges and they sit in their anger passive aggressively and they really don't want to deal with people anymore in terms of thinking about helping others and giving. They're just tired. And so for them, they just feel like anger is something that I'm exhausted by and I'm not trying to continue to be angry, but I am angry and I need some time. And so I like that you do that too. So with twos, you guys tend to hold grudges and passive aggressiveness. And once in a while you might blow up, but typically it's that smile and it's a smile through tears basically because this person is saying, I'm so hurt and broken by the fact that I finally am asking you for something and you're not delivering when I go out of my way to help you and to bless you. So that's something that twos deal a lot with. And twos, what I want you to focus in on is not too distant from the ones. I want you to understand that a lot of the time your spouse is giving to you in a way that you never even understood because you were looking for a very specific way of being loved. And that is something we all do as spouses is we look for love in very specific packages. And it's often not very specific, to be honest. It's often really when it's like, okay, I went to work for you today when I had a cold. Well, nowadays we don't go to work with colds, but we went to help somebody when we didn't feel like it. And our spouse may have thought, well, you weren't helping me when you picked up your stepson, which is my child from the daycare. But maybe your spouse said, you know, I had a really big work meeting and picking your son up because I love you was my act of service and you missed it. Or it's a friend and they're saying, you know, you thought that I should bake cookies for your school fundraiser, but what you didn't realize was I had a toothache and I had to go get a root canal and I didn't want to burden you with that. So I didn't even tell you. So there's so many things under the surface of other people too, that I want you to really consider that when you're tempted to say, I'm not loved. Nobody gives to me. Nobody cares. Nobody's doing anything good in the world besides me. Just take some boundaries instead. Take some time to look at yourself and say, what can I do to fill me up? And how can I set some boundaries if I'm serving the world too much and I'm exhausted and I'm resentful? So that's an important thing for you to do. And then I also want you, when it's an important person to you that you really do need to address, tell them your frustration and then stay with it instead of these icy, passive aggressive moods where you have to be in control. And I said moods because what's so funny is my kids are always saying, she's a mood, he's a mood. Looking at that meme is a mood. So when you find that you're a mood, do understand too that people get it. They feel it with you and they want you to own it. Say, I'm a mood today. You know, say I'm hormonal or I'm off. Or sometimes my two friends will say, I kind of go crazy when I get frustrated. I go to eight mode. I want control. And it helps people to know that you know what's happening. Own it and try to let people know this might be about me, but here's what's bothering me about our relationship. And then your spouse has not you saying, I'm going to manipulate or I'm going to force you to own that you weren't giving to me. But your spouse can say, oh, I can see how you would have thought that, but here's what was really going on. And spouses of twos, be careful to listen to this too. Here's what I will do now that you told me that. Here's what I want to do to commit to you to show you how much I love you. And I always say to people, be specific and ask your two what they want. But sometimes we have to do both ways. We have to say, you know what, to listen to them on how they are loving you. So it's a both and here. Okay, so for threes, a lot of you guys are saying you storm off and sometimes you say you distance like a nine or that you rage briefly. Some of you are saying, I'm not comfortable with my own emotions. I don't even know what they are. But then I finally get in touch with them and then I just rage. So understand that that's you obviously feeling like you're in your three in health mode. And I know that's good. I want you to be able to be a truth teller. But we're going to go back to that basic teaching for you guys here. The harsh truth telling is not going to get through to people. Because a three likes to perform the best and to achieve, sometimes they really think that they need to win in an argument. And it's really important that you recognize three, that what's really best here is that you understand we both want to feel good after an argument and we don't want to feel like the other partner won. We want to feel like we're back together. We're connected. 
And with threes, a lot of you guys say you want to process through a fight and just allow it to be sandwiched in kind of like a goal or a routine sheet for a three where you can just cross things off. And sometimes it isn't always as easy to be logically worked out. So you need to go to the heart go to the emotions and wait a little bit. And a lot of the eights are telling us they're able to do this. So threes and sevens, the other aggressive types, we need to remember this too, that sometimes it can't be cleaned up really quickly in between the 15 minute slot you've allotted. I know that makes you feel safe, but the emotions will ultimately make you feel way safer and way less needing to go to your shadow side, as well as build your self-esteem up, which is great for a three. And therefore you'll see a harsher style really doesn't work. And so even if you're harsh, though, I often tell threes, come back around later and say, I got harsh with you a few minutes ago or a couple of hours ago. Try not to let it be much more than that. And then say, but here's where I'm really coming from. I really think this would be best for us. Or this makes me anxious. This makes me sad. Once again, using feelings word is a great way to get vulnerable because you hear get vulnerable all the time. But what does that mean? It really means really avoiding those four horsemen of the apocalypse. And that's so important to remember. And I've I've said that on other episodes, but it's contempt, criticism, stonewalling, and defensiveness that we want to avoid in marriage in general. So that is super important for you to remember three and every type. Okay, so fours, what I want you guys to remember is that when you are fighting with your spouse or arguing or having conflict, that's perfectly normal. According to John Gottman, it's only about 9% of the time that we're both going to have the ideal situation for talking out a conflict. And I know with a four, a lot of times you love things to be ideal and you think the grass is greener on the other side. So I just want to let you laugh with me for a second there and say, okay, maybe we're not so bad off because we're actually doing really well if we're thinking about how we compare to others when it comes to how often we fight or maybe how much. And you can say to yourself, wow, we're together on our conflict management stuff, maybe more than 9%. So that should help you to feel good. I know fours appreciate ranking. How am I doing versus other couples? But what I also want you to understand if you're married to a four is that your four really does need time for what's rolling when they say they do. A lot of people don't like to leave their four in a room in a mood and they want to just say, hey, you're a mood and I want to fix this with you. But that's something that us aggressive types really have to watch out for. And my daughter and I, Hannah, were on the Love Mother, Love Daughter podcast. And we were talking about that a couple months ago, how we really wanted to just say this is one of our hardest things as a four and as a seven and as especially somebody also who has a four in my tri-type that we can really hit each other the wrong way and both need some time to withdraw. But I'm not as good as she is at knowing it. So even though she's just a teenager, she can already say, hey, I need some of this time. And I've really got to learn that and had to learn that over the years with her. And it's still hard for me. And I think that's something I can empathize with you who are married to a four. But it doesn't mean that just because it's hard that it's not worth doing. It's worth doing. You just have to keep learning how you can manage your emotions around your precious favored four. And everyone favors a four. Everybody looks to their four. I really work really hard that my other kids don't feel that my four is favored because I feel she is in the world favored. We were actually laughing because the other day when we were studying, she was looking up her name meetings for something in literature and Melody was too. And we noticed Hannah's name meant favored. And we were like, oh my gosh, like that's so unfair. But Hannah was basking in it as a four. And we're like, this is not fair, but we love you. So, um, but, but because sometimes our fours, we want them to be uh, with us, we feel like when they're at peace and when they have joy, everything is right in the world, we'll work extra hard to spoil them. And we may also feel their instability. Like if my four isn't feeling okay, are they going to be okay? And we need to let them have their own own coping style and their own coping tools for dealing with stress so that they don't become codependent on us and our emotional regulation for them. So really, if you're a four or married to a a four or have one in your family, remember,
remember when they're angry, they need time to process it. And you can also say to your four, you are special and beloved, even if you're feeling really bad right now. And I love you and I care about you. Those terms of endearment are so important because a lot of the time your four does the unhealth in one, not just their healthy one, but they get really critical about themselves and they think maybe I am the worst person. So they need somebody to say, I'll give you space, but I'll validate you when you're ready to talk. So let's move on to fives. I want to remind you that fives really do get angry, but they typically uh, will hide. And a lot of you guys told me that you will duck down, especially if provoked when you're not ready for a fight. You'll need time to process an email for a few days. You'll need time to process even a request from your spouse for a few days. Maybe you've even told them, approach me by email or text. And that's okay. That's not bad. It's just different from other types. So if you're married to a five, understand that their energy level is lower than yours typically. So they don't feel comfortable getting overwhelmed and in a fight most of the time and they can tuck away their emotions so sometimes after a few days they've even worked it out and so you don't have to feel that if a five tells you it's worked out that it isn't I know I've had spouses just like every type but even five spouses will tell me well if it's really over how can you brought it up later and they say well I brought it up to be a logical example so I have forgiven you and you do need to let your spouse say it if they've said they forgive you do have to let them say that you can't say no you didn't that's up to them to say, but what your five can also tell you is that it's really important for you to give them that time and for you to let them know that you're not going to overwhelm them. If they say, I need a boundary, if they say, I need to be the one to decide whether I'm going to move forward or backwards or sideways or buy this or that gadget because it doesn't make me feel safe and good and right if I don't buy it or if I do buy it. Um, It's not just competency with them. It's this too. It's needing that control because they feel like they've been overwhelmed and it could kill them even. You do need to give them that respect and understand that as partners, you're going to let them make some of these decisions that are affecting the way they feel and the way they feel safe, particularly. You always want to honor that for somebody in the anxiety triad, because remember, that's how anxiety people move through the world is safe versus unsafe versus the right and wrong of the body triad people versus the loved or unloved of the heart. So all of this is making sense, I'm sure, as you're listening to that. But love your fives and let them lead where they need to for safety and where they don't need to lead fives, where you're not angry about things, let your partner lead so that they feel like you're not controlling them because it can go both ways. Five can just like a six develop some paranoia. So it's super important that you let them be them too. Okay. Thinking about six, we know that when sixes get anxious, sometimes their anger arises. It's a way for them to feel control, not just the counterphobic six, but that type two, especially sometimes sixes feel like I may have a bit more control than I realize if I can get somebody else to buy my version of the story. And they don't feel any less than you or I do that their story is wrong. They're like, this is my experience and this is reality. But what we have to add is a dot, dot, dot for a six to that statement so that they understand that their spouse may not feel that talking about a problem right away or ad nauseum to their spouse is a good idea. Whereas they may say, it's not ad nauseum, it's only five minutes, 20 minutes, one hour. And I think that's really important that you understand some people don't want to talk about conflict at all, or they might be able to get it out in five minutes. So it's really important, Six, that you realize not everybody will have the capacity to talk through your worries or your issues to that length, and that may make their anger arise if you don't work at this and do some of your own journaling and body work to get things out and cut yourself off from your own research as your anger may be building up and saying, hey, look, I'm the only one who cares about my health or this impending doom or this crisis that's ahead. But if you say, you know what, though, since that's the case, I'm only going to give myself a few more minutes. I've done some good troubleshooting and I'm going to start relaxing because apparently my spouse is relaxing. And like we've said earlier, that unforgiveness might be eating you away and the anger might be eating you away when in reality you want to move your spouse. But what I always try to tell you guys is spouses are not typically moved 
by us saying, I need you to move in a forceful or a nasty way. They're typically moved by us being humble, talking about our feelings, and we typically have to really be strategic in our moves. As we move on to talking about the seven, I want to let you guys know that something that as a seven, I've really enjoyed sharing with you guys lately who are my clients. If you met with me this past week, I really encouraged you to to think about your relationships in terms of positive games. We all say we don't want our love to be a negative game, but it's okay to say, well, I do enjoy a game and I don't want to take it too seriously where everything we fight about or every time we have any little conflict, it has to be blown up huge. So I was encouraging you to pretend it's a game of chess in a good way. I want you to think about yourself as one of the leading pieces. So uh, the queen in this case can move all over the board and has lots of options, but the best chess or Mancala players or any game like that that involves strategy, I used to love Stratego when I was little. My son loves Mancala. And then as you know, I talk a lot about chess because that's a family game. And my husband was playing it last weekend on our getaway. And it's really something that is okay to do if you're doing it for love, not not if you're doing it to manipulate, but to say, I can be strategic in our marriage. I can say to myself, if I move this way or that way, I'm going to get a different response. But let's move ahead a few a few moves. Let me anticipate and write down as my brother does every move to see I can't even say it, D3. I have no idea what they are. He's always writing them down, but you're really looking to see where is my opponent probably going to move next? What are my options? And I'm already seeing my son do this and I'm wondering, is this a male thing? But there's a lot of female chess players out there too. So I wanted to encourage my female wives this week, as well as the males, to play some healthy chess, to really think about how I can move ahead in my marriage and find the best routes and the best strategies to bring us both peace. So understand that delving through your anger and through your marriage is going to need several different times, several different games, the same opponent every time, but you're going to get to know how he or she plays, what are the weak moves, and you're not going to attack there and try to capture them. That is a difference. And that's where analogies always fall short. You're going to try to meet them and have a dance. (laughs) So you're going to try to have a better experience. And you know what I'm going to say to you guys when you do a good job, I'm going to say, yes, queen. As my kids say, I love to say, yesy queenie. And my husband's like, when is that phase going to be over? But I've already started using yes, king to him and my son. And now he really wants it to be over. But I'm like, hey, I know that guys are feeling offended that a lot of women have just, you know, taken over the world. And so this is your opportunity. You guys can try to coin this new phrase and he's just laughing at me. So, but yes, queens to all of you who are working really, really hard on making sure that you are strategic in your marriage. And that's my gift and advice to sevens because often we're the least strategic in our own relationships and the most quick to just jump in and to do something rash and to say, I want to do this or I'm being selfish. I'm not remembering the other person. I'm basing everything off of my own anxiety and safety. And that's really not always the most important thing. We're to love others a little bit better than ourselves. We're also very important, but sevens, you guys have it flipped. You have to make sure you're loving others. So when you're thinking of your game of chess, don't just pounce. Don't try to win. Try to not knock people over in the process, but say what would be really thoughtful about this next move I make with my kids, with the person who always seems to be the rook moving just in these black and white types of scenarios. And you can have some fun with the analogy or you can leave the board, but I do want you to make sure that you are thinking strategically in a new way, seven, so that you don't just play the same old routes and feel the same old frustrations come up. And that goes for everybody too. So important that you not only Take a pause when your partner is wanting to talk things out, not yet, when they say not yet to an argument, but also to listen when your spouse is talking to you and to write out your spouse's uncomfortable feelings and then pausing even to just 
compose your own coherent response. This is so important. And to give your spouse some space, you go self-regulate, you go work on you and you make sure that you get your self-care. I know you're pretty good at that seven. So just give your spouse some time. You can be productive. You don't have to just only get self-care, but you do need to give your partner some space. You're not the center of the world. That's so important. As you heard me share those kid examples, I had to learn that. My friend had other friends. That was important for my seven and my four part. And that my parents let me temper tantrum. They were showing me you're not the center of the world and you're not going to get what you want all the time. And my husband had to learn that to teach me that also early in marriage. And I had to teach him things too. So I don't want you to think sevens are terrible people who don't have any good gifts. But this is one of the things we have to learn is our anxiety does not take center stage. Okay, so eights, what you guys do is you often will not just experience the big emotions like a seven and not just pounce a little bit like the seven does, but sometimes yours goes into the explosive anger. And that's where I want to remind you if you need chemical attention, it's okay. If you've had trauma, it's very normal for you to say, okay, I'm going to take something medically where I don't have to have a heart attack one day if I'm that person who's having the explosions and increasing my risks of unhealthy high blood pressure, etc. So first, I want to start there with you guys, but I also want to say if you're an eight who's really good at doing your body work, then that's a great place for you because some of you are going to say, no way, I don't want to do body work. What else? But for some, you're like, I don't want to take a medication if I don't have to. So you just do your body work and see if you, if that can work for you and take a brisk walk and try to make sure that you take some withdrawing time. And if you're married to an eight, when they withdraw, it's because they don't want to say anything bad. So don't provoke the bear. Do understand that your eight feels like they've been sticking up for you this whole time and you are not feeling to them like you're sticking up for them. So I want you to work on helping them to see that even if you can't always agree with them, that you do love them. And eights are very soft underneath. And even if they look at you sulkily and then they think about it and they're not ready to shift yet, make sure you hold your ground and say, I love you so much. And even if we don't agree on this matter, I adore you and I think you're fantastic. And it's not lip service. Don't say something that isn't true, but say to them what you mean and say to them how much you love them and that you're willing to wait for them to calm down and you're not going to push them or provoke them and let them know what you will do to make repairs with them so that they're not trying to hold out a vengeance for you and they're not trying to hold you in unforgiveness, but that they're hearing you say, I want to make a bridge. I want to make a bridge back. I know you were angry with me, but with eight, I really want to remind you of those John Gottman tips. The four worst predictors of divorce are showing that nasty contempt that an eight can show. And an eight can also be logical, but very global as well, where they can say, this brought this old issue up for me and I'm really mad at you again about an old issue and their spouse can feel totally defeated. So that's where I don't want you using chess to wipe somebody else off the board. It's not your opponent. It's your family. I want you to stay with them, not just dogmatically lead them from the sidelines, barking orders in an angry tone. I want you to jump in be vulnerable, be soft, cry, hug, tell people you love them, say, I'm sorry. These are the things an eight needs to do when their anger is out of control, as well as to maybe take meds, as well as to maybe learn meditation. Taking a walk around the block is another great idea. And it's a compromise if you're not a major workout person. But I love the ones who say, hey, I have the punching bag. I punch at it before I come in the house after work to get some of that steam off. I watch for my presence being huge and looming over the family. But then again, we love that about you eights. You take care of us in beautiful ways. So celebrate all the good about yourselves too, not just your growth points. Lastly, I want to talk about nines. When you guys get angry, and I think I heard more from nines than any other type. So it was a great sample. I really want to recommend that you guys listen in closely to what's going on with the nine because it's pretty, people are pretty clueless about what happens with a nine. Basically, your nine is going in their turtle shell most of the time because they're merging with you. They're experiencing that love of neighbor and they're recognizing that they don't want to bother you for their needs to be met. But then at some point, they feel resentful about it. 
and they wake up to it. And that's better than them falling asleep to it, frankly, because we don't want them to be obsolete. And they say, I'm so mad. And it takes several days sometimes. And then they're very angry. So when that happens, their spouse says, this was a few days ago. You're still thinking about that. I want to be heard desperately standing in and saying, I'm not going to be a skeptic. I'm going to have faith that you will hear me. And your nine has to be able to hear you and love you too, of course, but they're pretty good at that. So I want you to take some time to love your nine. I I don't want you to let them rage. I do want you to say, hey, this is really important. I see that you've been building up a lot, but I can't be raged at. I mean, if you think, hey, I'm an eight, I can be raged at, then so be it. But if you don't want to be raged at, then I suggest that you do talk to them about where they can, what they can do with their tone. And I know your kids don't want raging going, so please don't do that while they're around either way. But I do want you to make sure that with your nine, you do give them a voice. Don't say, stop it. Don't say, shut it off. And sometimes I even notice with a nine in sleep patterns, because my four and my nine have sleepovers a lot, and my son will not do this as much because he's also a kicker, but my nine will kick in bed. And it makes me wonder, is this some some of you nines having aggression at night and she will apologize for it in the day but she can be quite a bear at night and say you know get off me or I need you to come sleep with me and then when her sister comes in there and sleeps with her she's kicking her so you have to wonder is this spouses or siblings doing this because they're frustrated so I think it's good to talk it out if there's a sleep behavior going on with a nine where you're kind of going you're sleeping all the time you're napping you're passive aggressive this is a sign of anger like I read about earlier and this is important for you to realize underneath the anger in the anger triad for this group in the body group is they have sadness so ask your nine why are you sad and they'll probably say I just don't feel like my voice matters that much and I don't even know if it does it's not really like a manipulative thing because they're like, maybe it doesn't. And so it's your job to say it really does. And I will work with you to compromise. I'm not going to bully you over anymore. And it's also your job if your nine finally gets the courage to speak out about something that feels ridiculously long to you, that you understand it's from a loving place. That's why they took so long. I think that will really help your compassion to grow when you realize this is actually very loving that they took so long because they were trying to be considerate and find the right time. So understand marriage is long. It doesn't always have to be dealt with the same day. But if you do sense a tension and one of the two of you is not ready to talk things out, what you can say is, I love you and ultimately I forgive you because that's something I want to do every day. And the Lord's Prayer goes there with us every day. If we have a great model of prayer, that's it. And we say, I want to be forgiven and I offer forgiveness I also know that there's some issues that need to be worked out so that we can find a place where we both feel safe and we both feel loved and we both feel honored. So you can say that in your prayer life with God, but you can also say that, and I do want you to also say that with your person so they know where your heart is coming from. And Wes and I are at that season of life now, and it's a lot better than when you're at that season where you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know how they're feeling about me. We're checked out, or I just know they rage and we don't really get to resolution. So it's nice in the meantime to say, hey, we haven't reached all of our resolutions and we still agree to disagree about some things. There's still some unsolvable conflicts, but we love each other and we know that we're just going to have different opinions. And the Enneagram really has helped all of us. I know the listeners and my own marriage and my own family to do this well together. So I'm really thankful for it. I know you are too. So I'll share some of the notes about the articles for the anger episode here. And I want to encourage you and your holiday shopping to go check out our merch, but also to be ready for the glow booklets this weekend. And I'm so thankful that Elena is going to be joining me to talk about our glow next week. So thinking about that glow and how you guys as a couple with your specific pairings really bless each other. And then she and Michael Shahan are going to be on the following week to talk about that some more. So looking forward to that with you guys. Go to the IG or Enneagram and Marriage to check those booklets out starting this weekend. And then I also want to invite you to leave a podcast review if this has been helpful at Apple Podcast. Have a great week, you guys. I'll talk to you soon.